Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio. Engage for Success Radio is a not-for-profit movement and we're the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country, as well as our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on great practice. Do visit us at engageforsuccess.org where you can learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter. I'm Joe Moffat. I'm one of the regular hosts of our radio show and I'm also MD and founder of Woodread. Woodread is a specialist creative agency where we use the tools, the techniques and the insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. So um, today is radio show number 439 and we are going to be talking about eight ways to achieve faster, easier and better results in the context of, um, especially in the context of change, really. And to help us explore that topic, I'm very pleased to welcome today's guest. Um, Welcome to Jake Jacobs, who is president of Jake Jacobs Consulting. Hello, Jake. Welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Thank you so much, Joe. 439 episodes. That is really something. It's it's not bad, is it? It's over eight years uh, since we've been doing this. I've uh, there are there are now three of us who who share the hosting. Um, but yeah, we've been doing this for over eight years. I, I like to say that we sort of started this before podcasts were a thing. Absolutely. Um, and and of course, those have just boomed exponentially in recent years, haven't they? So um, yeah, it's one of our very popular aspects of what we do at Engage for Success. So um, people can listen to it live, they can download it, they can stream it later, um, basically respond to it as if it's a radio show or treat it just like a podcast. So we get lots of great guests and we're booking a year ahead. Um, we're, we're booking now into sort of March 2023. So um, it's wow. amazing. Yeah. Very, yeah. very. Congratulations. So, so thank you. And so, yeah, good to, good to have you with us. So, for, well, let's kick off. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jake. What's your background? Um, well, Joe, I have been doing uh, the work that I do in the world for 35 years. I started very early in my career working in the world of change. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, your engagement mantra uh, is one that I share. I think we're cut from similar cloths in the sense that, Um, I find that the most effective organizations are those that are the most engaging organizations. And the approach that we're going to be talking about today, Leverage Change, really um, cuts to the core of what I believe is a recruitment and retention strategy as well, Mm -hmm. and engagement in the sense that organizations that do change well, that engage their people, that listen to their people, that reach out to their people. Not only are they more effective in the work that they're trying to accomplish around change, but they're also the kind of places that we want to work. They're the kind of places where we can bring our best creative selves and uh, our most strategic selves to the table with an open invitation from leadership to be able to help change happen, as I say in the subtitle to this new book that I've written, Faster, Easier and Better. Right. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I've, I've got a bit of a theory about, about change, which is when people say, oh, nobody likes change. I mean, it's one of those cliches that gets thrown out, isn't it? Nobody likes change. We hate change. And I, I, I kind of wonder whether that isn't because in most working contexts, most people's experience of change is, is something that's done to them. You know, it's sort of forced on them. It's just plonked on them. And very little attempt is made to actually engage them with the 
the why of that change and the what's in it for me of that change and to help take people on that a journey of engagement with that change rather than just say, here you are, get on with it, suck it up. Um, right. you know, but I don't know whether that resonates with you, but um, we, we shall see as we as we discuss the topic in the next sort of half an hour, really. So um, good. OK, so I mean, and COVID, of course, we can't we can't really um, talk about this without mentioning COVID two years in um, described by some as the biggest change project if yeah. our working lives. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if we could start, what's, what's your take on that? What's been the impact of COVID on, on what you do and your practice and, and, and perhaps the, any, any sense in which it's changed the way you think about this stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, my experience with COVID, my client's experience with COVID, I think you're right. It has been a massive change and, and coupled with um, what we call the great resignation and having <laughs> people um, look for more from their organizations, look for more from their work life. Um, I think that COVID has accelerated in some ways the use of technology that we were already on the train for. I think that train had left the station. Uh, there's a buddy of mine, he happens to be looking for a job and he said, um, that uh, 70% of the jobs on LinkedIn are remote, that they're looking for remote. That's not hybrid. That's no. not hybrid. That's remote. That's like full time out of the office. And um, so I think it's changed the way that we work. Now, I, I in my consulting practice have, have always worked remotely. I had a client that was 2000 uh, miles away in the States. And um, I went to see them four times over an 18 month period. And the rest of the time I joined their weekly meetings via, well, at that point it was Skype, but um, I joined their meetings and, you know, participated as if I were sitting at the table. So I think that, that COVID has accelerated some of people's expectations around what they want from work and how to work. So our world of change um, is all about engagement as is your program. And so how we engage with people remotely, virtually, um, hybridly, that we have to be smart about that. And we have to be creative because a lot of my work, uh, Joe, when I started was in the world of what they call large group interventions. Mm -hmm. And large group interventions were about bringing two, three, four, 500 or more people together at the same time and place in round tables of eight to be able to have decision-making meetings. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, not surprisingly through COVID, I haven't held one of these large group event <laughs> no. engagements. It would have um, been a bit of a super spreader if you had. Yeah, it? <laughs> super spreader. This is not exactly motivating for people. Um, so it's challenged me to be able to consult in new and different ways. And I, I had a client a while back, years ago now, who had an unwritten rule in the organization that, you know, thou shalt never have more than 35 people in an organization, in a meeting. 35 people in a meeting, which really sort of cut it, putting one arm behind my back to say, well, how are you going to do engagement without having this large group available? And so um, these are things that I've been wrestling with for a while. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of my work with clients, you know, a lot of it has been shifting to coaching. I now, uh, based on the book, have some programs available 
so that I can do coaching. So I'm not there face to face with my clients right now, but I'm able to advise and counsel them about how they can go and use these levers, as I call them, or smart strategic actions to be able to bring about change on their own in organizations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good. Well, we're going to hear more about that um, in, in a moment. Just in terms of sort of setting some context, I suppose, for us, what, why do you think organizations find making change and making that change stick so hard? I mean, there's something, isn't it, the, the McKinsey quote, something like 70% of change projects yeah, yeah. fail, that famous yeah. one. So why is it so difficult? What, what kind of gets in the way in your, in your mind, Jake? Well, I think overall, Joe, the problem is they do a lousy job of it. Yeah, right. I, I think that that's the problem. And there are a lot of um, root causes for why this happens. Uh, sometimes leaders are uh, too nervous to let go and they want to hold control and continue to make all the decisions. And, um, you know, that's not a recipe for success. Um, sometimes organizations don't get it right about what to change to. So it's a strategic issue. It's not an engagement issue. It's like, uh, you know, everybody getting on board and walking the plank together is not a good um, idea. And then sometimes I find that, um, Organizations follow a rote um, approach to it, that they have some model, some method, you know, six steps, eight phases, and they march along those phases and steps without knowing if those are really right for their organization. So one of these levers, one of these strategies that I talk about is called design it yourself. And what that means is that you've got to be really clear about what your purpose, your outcomes, and your roadmap are for the change effort that you're undertaking, and then have what I call rapid prototyping. And by rapid prototyping, this is something that I learned from my manufacturing clients a long time ago. But what it says is that when you start down a path, what you do is you have what I call short learning loops. So you start down a path and like tacking in a sailboat, what we do is we tack often. We never get far off that straight line between point A and point B. And so this design it yourself is I think a right and a responsibility of each organization. So if I'm trying to change in ways that aren't congruent with the kind of organization I want to be in the future, not only does that send a mixed message to my people, because I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, I'm, I'm saying that I want to be participative, and yet my change approach isn't participative, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but also, um, it's not successful. I found that each organization has DNA. I, I believe in something called living systems theory, which says the organization itself is a living, breathing organism. And so having it be right for you to have your thumbprint, your stamp on that and have your employees say, no, this is the best way that we can change. Here are some ways from the past that have worked. Here's some new ways that we've learned. But being able to design it yourself, I think, takes away 90% of that failure factor because people have to think through what's the best approach for them. And I believe, right, they know. 
And that if we ask them and we integrate them in something called the change effort design team that's responsible for that work in an organization, outsourcing this to some model or method that already exists, I think is one of the major problems that organizations, teams, and even individuals face when it comes time to change. It's an easy trap to fall into, isn't it? Because in the same way that, you know, no one ever got fired for hiring IBM, you know, that mm. it, it's like saying, well, we've got this model. And if we apply that model and we follow the steps of that model, then no one's going to say that we didn't do the right thing. Um, yeah. and, and if we do all the right things, then we're going to get the right results, aren't we? Surely. Well, right. maybe not is the point you're making then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and see, <clears throat> I, I also want to say, I'm not against those models. I'm not against those methods. I think that <clears throat> there is a time and a place for them, but you've got to cross-check those against the culture of your organization. You've got to cross-check those against your circumstances in this particular change and your history in the organization, like really what's worked and what hasn't before. And so knowing what those steps are is a piece of the equation, but I think that there's much more that we've got to get smart about in organizations in order to make these change efforts work and get that 70%, you know, on the other side so that 30% maybe fall short of what they're um, trying to achieve or, or less. Mm -hmm. I was interested that when you talk about the design it yourself um, uh, concept, you, you touched on employee voice, having input to that from your people. And that clearly chimes very much with, with the thinking we have at Engage with Success, which is that listening to employee voice, really listening to it, not just yeah. paying lip yeah. service to it, you know, once a, every blue moon with a survey, but actually really listening and empowering your people to contribute and, and have ideas and be creative is, is very, very powerful in terms of engagement. So hearing it, hearing you talk about that there is, is, ob is obviously encouraging. So is design it yourself one of your, one of your levers, Jake? Yeah, it's one of the, or levers, we Le could say. Well, no. I know, I'm being very good. You see, I'm trying to call it, I'm trying to use your North American pronunciation because yeah. that is one of the, one of those words, isn't it? Where, the, it where is. we speak a common language divided by a very big C. <laughs> yes, yes. So um, let me tell you about another one. I think this is the most unique of all of these uh, levers. And, uh, you know, just as a quick backstory, the reason that these are about levers is about leverage says we're getting more done with less. Yeah. And this goes back to a quote, some of your listeners may be familiar with it from Archimedes, who was a third century BC Greek mathematician. The I, famous I a, man in the bath. Yeah. 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 That's right. That was one of the things he was famous for. There was another that uh, uh, I have a picture on my office wall behind me, a chalk drawing. And he was the one that said, uh, give me a lever long enough and a fulcrum on which to place it and single handed I shall move the world. So he described the power of leverage, and actually there are, there are stories of him entering these competitions about moving boulders, which was what they did for entertainment back in the third century BC. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> before they had the internet. Exactly, exactly. And uh, the Premier League and other things to keep us uh, occupied. <laughs> Um, but they uh, had these competitions and he would wait as an older gentleman, he would wait on the side until no one could push the boulder any further. And then he'd get a small stone and put it next to the boulder, get a log, use the power of leverage and move that boulder very easily, even at an advanced age. So 
This is about getting more done with less. The problem with that is that in most organizations, those are dirty words. Get more done with less means you're getting less resources, less time, less money, less people. These are all about getting more done with less and then more work gets piled on top of you even with those decreased resources. Okay, that's not the kind of leverage I'm talking about. I'm okay. talking about getting more done with fewer hassles, headaches, and problems. And ultimately, yes, fewer resources, but because they're not needed anymore. You're not spinning your wheels trying to create change, but you're able to take those resources and apply them in other places of, of innovation and manufacturing excellence or, or service excellence, ways that are gonna support the customer and that those resources still get used by the organization, but in much smarter ways. So think and act as if the future were now is one of these levers. And what it says is, is that typically we think of the future as something that unfolds before us. So by definition, Joe, we have to wait for that future for it to occur. And so we sit in the present and we wait for this future to unfold. Well, think and act as if the future were now says, no, no, we're going to do this differently, change our paradigm, and we're going to get some image of what that future looks like, and then reach out, grab hold of some aspect of that future, and bring it into the present so that we're thinking and acting as if that present, as if that future were occurring right here and right now. Mm -hmm. So live your future today. If you want to be a more engaging organization, then you figure out what am I doing this afternoon? What is on my uh, diary? And then based on that, how can I behave more engagingly now, today? Yeah. Yeah. Like culture change can occur in the, in the snap of a finger. And most people would look at me and say, well, it takes years. And I say, well, if you think and act as if the future were now, you can see evidence of that new culture taking root. As soon as you decide that it needs to, then start thinking and acting as if it were real. And you'll find that the pace of change accelerates dramatically. It's a, it's, it's a bit like the, the, the phrase to say, you know, be the change you want to be in the world isn't it? Yes, and I would, and I would add now. Now, yes, yes. So in, in the sense, I mean, going back to COVID, well, we spoke at the beginning, going back to COVID, um, many, many organisations were on change programmes. You know, they were talking about, you know, 20, 2025, 2030 journeys towards these yes. dates sometime in the yes. future. And actually, they suddenly, certainly in the UK, when, when, when lockdown came the way that it did, um, it was almost like they had to accelerate that change program and, and in, in the space of like two weeks, almost, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they had to do it. They had to go and grab that bit of the change, which was around technology, digital enablement, flexible working, all of these sorts of things that they were sort of slowly working towards. They had no choice. They were kind of forced to do it. Yes. In many respects, they, you know, and they therefore did it. And actually, you know, it kind of worked. The sky didn't right. fall in and, and, and it right. was like, oh, you've done it. So it, it was proof of, proof of the pudding for you, really, I guess. Yeah. And what I would say, Joe, is, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that it did force the future on people. And what I'm talking about with these lovers and this one in particular is make that a choice. Be conscious about it, be clear about it, be proactive about it, and do it 
on a daily basis. Make it part of the culture of your organization. And the more people who think and act as if the future were now, you'll see that your colleagues on the left and right of you are behaving differently. They're behaving in ways that are consistent with these better ways of doing business that are part of the change effort. And if I see my colleagues starting to behave differently, that's an open invitation to me to be able to behave differently. So you get this virtuous cycle that as soon as somebody starts doing this, and the and the amazing thing is it's so easy to do. It's a paradigm shift. And as soon and it, it's not Joe about getting the whole future figured out. You don't have to have every corner of that canvas painted. Anything that goes up there. And then with this rapid prototyping, we could check and see is that getting us the results we want? And if not, then try something else. But that whole notion of changing our paradigm, we do not have to wait. Even, you know, vision 2025, I think that there's a flawed premise in that because what that says is success is going to be defined in the year 2025 by us achieving certain goals or or certain ways of working. And I think we set ourselves up for a slower change process when we put things like that out there and we we define success as waiting for change to occur. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, that's very, that's true. So challenge yourself to actually live it, as you say, think and act as if the future is now. Um, so, so we've got, I'm trying to, trying to note these down without my keyboard clattering too much and interacting, interrupting with our, our audio, but design it yourself think and act as if the future is now rapid prototyping is that is that another one well the rapid prototyping is really part of that think and act oh it's part of that yeah yeah it's a way of thinking about it but i'll give you another one of them give me some more because we promised we've promised our listeners eight haven't we so we need to we have we need to roll through them so um another one is when we talk about change uh we who are change agents, that's what we talk about. It's what we write about. It's what we present about. It's what we train about. And what it does is it creates anxiety for people. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people have issues with change mm-hmm. and that uncertainty and uh, having it forced on them, as you said earlier. So paying attention to continuity is the other side of the coin. It's a paradoxical approach. The more continuity that I have in my organization and in my life, the more change I'm able to deal with. And continuity brings with it confidence and clarity and conviction and all of these things that feel good to people. Like okay. they know that they've done this before. They know they've been successful. So that's a that's a third one of the levers. Mm, mm, that's interesting. I mean that that's that's playing that's playing quite heavily to the whole neuroscience thing, isn't it? Of people needing responding to the need for certainty. And if you yes. haven't got that certainty, then you find yourself unable to deal with new concepts or learn new things or collaborate and 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 so on so that that's interesting yeah so you what you're saying is actively pay attention to continuity whilst at the same time dealing with change or acting as if the future is now in order to give that kind of almost like a safety blanket Right. And and it's firm ground to people to, to take a leap into the unknown. So even when you bring about change, if you say, how do we do this in line with our core values? Core values are continuity. Mm-hmm. And so even saying, let's approach this. How are we living our core values in how we're bringing about this change? You know, 
continuity takes many different forms, but that's one that a lot of organizations could further, not to coin the term leverage, but they could take advantage of in bringing about change. And I think too many leave that on the sidelines and it feels like everything's new and different. We're throwing things up in the air and it does lead to a lot of anxiety. And, and that impacts not only engagement, not only work satisfaction, but frankly, it impacts performance. Mm, mm, mm. Lovely. Okay, good. So I think we've got three now. So yeah, yeah keep so, going then, Jake. <laughs> all right, let me, let me run through a few of these then. One of them is, and they each deal with a problem, Joe, that I've heard clients talk about for years. So people don't know enough to make good decisions. This is when leaders look and they say, well, I'm going to power my people. And then the people make quote, bad decisions, and they're making uninformed decisions, not bad ones, because leaders often don't share the information that's needed. So create a common database is another one of these levers. And what it says is, you've got to figure out what information do people need to make good decisions? Who needs to know it? When do they need to know it? How do they need to know it? Like this can be between two teams. It can be across the whole organization. It can be an individual who's charged with taking on a particular aspect of the change. If they don't know enough to make a good decision, they're not going to make that good decision for you. Oh, and you know, I, I can't, I'm sure you've You've seen this yourself. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people move into new roles and are expected to develop a new strategy for this or a strategy for that. And but they're not given they are expected to do it with a blank sheet of paper because nobody's bothered to actually bring them up to speed on what happened before or this information or, you know, they literally just start again. Right. Right. And, and, and that creates mischief and, and havoc in the organization. So again, that, you know, you bring up an interesting point, which is, well, let's have leaders get a common database. Let's have leaders be smart, not just the people that they typically uh, withhold information, not on purpose necessarily, but people don't know enough about the business. We had one project where uh, there was a, a leverage buyout and it was a merger and acquisition. They had floating interest rates, convertible bonds, all kinds of financial instruments that they were using. And people didn't have a clue what they were talking about. So we held mini MBA courses. We taught people what these financial instruments were and it made sense. Why do we want to make this change so much faster? than typical, it was because it was costing money every day that they didn't get these new business practices and these new assets online. So mm -hmm. th this is, again, I go back to a lot of people do engagement and they say it's better for the people and it is, and it's better for the business, the organization, the shareholder, like it's a win, win, win all the way around. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, no, absolutely. Got you understood. OK, uh, let's let's talk about some more. We've got we've got about five minutes left, actually. Right. Which we've romped through this, unfortunately. Time, yeah, always, time right. always flies away from us. So we need, to, we right. need to quickly whiz through the let final. Me, let me get one. through the uh, the last ones. So all change effort must begin from the top is the problem. And the answer for the lever is start with impact, follow the energy. So look for where you can have an impact. Don't follow these road strategies that say you've got to start at the top. It's easier, it's nicer to start at the top, but go where there are possibilities and then follow where the work wants to be done. Mm -hmm. Another one is um, so many people ask, what's in it for me? right the we call it the whiffum thing and yep. uh what we're talking about there is 
Develop a future people want to call their own. If I develop a future and I have a hand and a say in developing that future, if I want to be part of that future, that's what's in it for me is a, it's an answered question. Absolutely. I know what's in it for me and it's something that's motivating and, and something that I desire. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another one that deals with the problem of people just getting to do their day job. Nothing wrong with that, but there are unique opportunities during times of change where people can step up and make a unique contribution. I mean, make a career defining contribution. So looking for more and more ways for more and more people to be able to add their unique value and figuring out what that is with them is a key to faster, easier, better results. And then the last one is where people have too much on their plates. And mm-hmm. the problem of that is so common in organizations. People are always complaining about too much on their plate. So what I did is devised a lever that says, make change work part of daily work. And what that means is find ways to bring about change without adding anything to a plate. So just one quick example, we had a, a leadership team that uh, had lousy meetings. So we went and worked with them on that and they ended up having a very clear purpose and agenda for meetings or, or people didn't have to show up to them. That only happened once or twice and then they got it that they needed this. Well, what happened is that took hold throughout the organization. There was no change effort. There were no special task teams. Uh, but what happened is that the organization became more results for, focused. It became purpose driven from meetings to projects to the organization as a whole. And so this whole notion of make change work part of daily work is really unique. And I think it helps people not feel like they're getting more work bolted on to their day job, which they're already overwhelmed by. Mm-hmm. Excellent. No, that makes that makes sense. So goodness me, we've romped through those eight. I mean, there's, I, I'm sure each of those actually we could we could make a whole show of in their own right. And, and these have come about from your your career really you've developed these from insight and experience jake yeah yeah and and again i'll emphasize joe they all deal with a common problem Mm. so each of these levers takes on you know if people don't know enough to make good decisions if change is too slow um if people are asking what's in it for me these are common organizational issues, team issues that leaders face every day. So what I did is I stepped back and I looked at my experience and I said, what are some solutions to these problems and how can we do it in a way? I will go back to Archimedes. I'll go back to leverage and say more done with less. How can we do this so that it's faster, easier and better? And I found that these eight strategies go a long ways towards helping achieve that. Yeah. Excellent. And that's just remind me that's the title of the book is it yeah the title of the book is leverage change eight ways to achieve faster easier better results and you can get it at any bookstore uh online or off and uh i'd really be delighted i would say to your uh listeners to get the book or go to my website, jakejacobsconsulting.com. There are a few short videos that I have there where I talk about it. Um, You can buy the book through the website, but most importantly, I think that we've got to expect more 
from the change work that's done in organizations. This does not have to be difficult and frustrating and confusing and overwhelming. These are the words that people associate with change. I hope after they read the book, after they go to the website and learn some more, that faster, easier, and better become the replacement words that people use when they're talking about change. Excellent. I'm sure they will. Well, I, as I say, we could have talked about that in, in great, in much more detail. So I'll certainly um, recommend that people look at the book to, to get a, a, the, the bigger picture. Um, meanwhile, though, thank you to today's special guest, Jake Jacobs, president of Jake Jacobs Consulting. And thank you for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Um, don't forget we have, uh, or can I ask you to look out for our next live Engage for Success event on May the 20th, where we're going to be exploring in detail our fourth enabler of employee engagement, which is the importance of organisations living their values. So that, that plays to one of Jake's um, levers there that we've been talking about. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of the great shows from our archive at any time. Just visit engageforsuccess.org. Uh, and similarly, if you want to get involved in our movement, which is entirely dependent and supported by volunteers, um, you can do that through our website as well. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you again, Jake Jacobs, and goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.